lunch afterwards, so please stay for that, okay? Uh, there are several ways you can donate to Beth Aminah. You can make out a check or send one to her office, and please put the full Beth Aminah Messianic Synagogue, try to squeeze that into that line. Um, also, um, there's Venmo, which I've never used, but it's quite popular. We have PayPal, and you can give online to bethamanah.org. Okay, let us pray. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King, you are our provider in all aspects of our lives. It is an honor to give back a portion to you. May you grant us the wisdom to use these tithes and offerings wisely according to your will. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Awesome. And you picked the right songs for me. Thank you. <laughs> well, Shabbat Shalom again to everyone. I am not rabbi, you know that. I am just a, uh, a faithful servant. Joshua, about a week ago, said, I forgot. I'm going to be uh, officiating a wedding. Do you mind doing the, uh, doing the message? And after I picked up my chin from the floor, I went, okay, sure, why not? But uh, peace and rest to all of us today. Uh, I'm blessed to see all my spiritual, my spiritual family here, as well as visitors. And you know who you are. And my daughter, thank you for uh, blessing Daddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But if you have your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 1. Most of you know that I am a, uh, I've been a student of Romans for, gosh, going on 20 years. And it is probably one of my most favorite and fond things to do is to dive into what Paul has to say uh, to, the, to the Gentiles. 
And I'm going to start out in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it is revealed God's righteousness from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. You know, these are the two, in my opinion, these are about the two most famous verses in Romans, perhaps in all of Paul's letters. Paul had been imprisoned in Philippi, chased out of Thessalonica, smuggled out of Berea, laughed at in Athens, regarded as a fool in Corinth, and stoned in Galatia. Yet he remained eager to preach in Rome. He was not put off by criticism or physical persecution. He was spiritually driven and motivated. He knew that it was the power, and it cost him everything in a worldly perspective. In these two verses, we have the most life-transforming truth that God has ever put into our hands. God has a plan for each of us. It's a perfect plan. It's an eternal plan. It's better than any plan that you and I could ever come up with. So we're going to begin here to break down these two powerful verses. And I want to keep in mind the seven words that I chose here that Paul emphasizes in these verses. Gospel, or good news, power, salvation, the Jews, the Gentiles, righteousness, and lastly, faith. So let's break this down for a minute. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. So when you consider candidates for a spokesman, would anyone living in those days choose the likes of Paul? No, not really. But yet he was exactly what the times needed. So let's take a look at his letter to the Philippians and see how Paul describes who he was and who he became. One interesting note, Paul never talks about himself in the past tense. He always talks about himself in the present tense. So Philippians 3, verse 4 through 8, Though I myself might have confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he might depend on the flesh, I far more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a nation of, from the nation of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the Torah, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting Messiah's community, as for Torah righteousness, found blameless. But whatever things were going to be gained to me, these I have considered as loss for the sake of Messiah. More than that, I consider all things to be loss in comparison to the surpassing value of the knowledge of Messiah Yeshua, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I consider them garbage in order that I might gain Messiah. So I am not ashamed of the gospel. It means that I and Paul and you all are not ashamed of the one who the gospel refers to, Yeshua. Paul was not ashamed even though many other of the Jews hated him. Gentiles had stoned him, the Greeks had ridiculed him, and the Romans wanted to kill him. Paul knew exactly what he was saved from and who, he, who was doing the saving. 
Paul was not ashamed of the gospel because it is an expression of God's power and the revelation of God's righteousness. Paul's second letter to Timothy, uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 12, tells us, For this reason I have also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know who am I, I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. But the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel because he knows its godly power. God's power has no limits, beloved, no end. God holds our life in his hands. We serve at God's pleasure. He does not say the gospel contains power. He does not say that the gospel is powerful or that it has power or that it exerts power. Rather, it is power. The Greek word for power, as many of you know, is dunamis, which is translated into our English, and we get the word dynamite. So the gospel power, the dynamite that is able to destroy sin and our old way of life. So Paul has seen this gospel power. He's seen it in action. He's experienced it on the road to Damascus. When he was going to go persecute the believers belonging to the way, instead condemning Saul, Yeshua used this power to redeem him. Yeshua's power was manifested on this occasion by a bright light blinding Saul and a voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Paul's seen God's power manifested in his own life. He also has seen people healed, people come to faith. In Acts 16, he'd been freed from a prison by an earthquake. He had preached successfully in very unlikely circumstances and unlikely places. In 2 Corinthians, he survived a host of dangers, as, and he has seen confidence in God justified time after time. So how could he be ashamed of the gospel? One second. As we go on, the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Salvation from what? Salvation from whatever undoes us. We are rescued from sin. We are brought to righteousness. We are rescued from a polluted mind. We're made holy. We're rescued from the slavery of evil. We are given freedom. We're rescued from punishment. We are blessed. But primarily, the primary thrust, though, of what Paul is trying to teach here about salvation is very spiritual. Yeshua saves us from the separation of God. Yeshua enables us to live eternally with the presence in our hearts and in the presence of the Father. So who believes? The gospel is the power for salvation for everyone who believes. In Greek, this is a present tense. It denotes the ongoing activity of belief. 
Salvation belief is not something that just happens once. It's an ongoing process and continues until we see glory. We should not, however, fear that God's grace is, in, is insufficient, though, when we doubt. Because guess what? We doubt. And we can say when the father who petitioned Yeshua to heal his own son, that centurion in Mark 9, 24, he said, I believe, help my unbelief. So as we go to verse 17, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. By this time, Paul's ministry is predominantly to the Gentiles. We all know this through the, through the scriptures. But he acknowledges the priority of Jews in God's plan of salvation. The Jewish people will always and forever maintain a special covenant relationship with God. And Paul not only shows this distinctiveness between Jews and Gentiles, but he also shows the common faith that we all have. So in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. When Paul speaks of God's righteousness, it means two things. It means the righteousness being a characteristic of God, as well as the righteousness of God that he gives to those who have faith. But the gospel is good news primarily because he has chosen to justify us freely by the grace through the redemption of his son, Yeshua. So remember, one thing, and this is probably the most important thing, righteousness is not something we can do. It's who God is. When sin is removed by grace, all that's left is righteousness in us. And we conclude, but the righteousness, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul quotes here from Habakkuk 2.4, where the prophet contrasts very proud people with people of faith. Habakkuk said that the spirit of proud people is not right in them, but the righteous will live by faith. We, could not know, we cannot know nothing about God's righteousness or grace unless God reveals it to us. And he has revealed it to us not only through him, but through his son. However, it requires faith to see this. It requires faith for us to see what God is doing in our lives. And it is through faith that we see this righteousness. And it is through faith that we also experience the righteousness. So what is Paul saying here? What's, what's Paul's motivation? It's the same motivation that we should have. The power of the message. Paul knew something that we, he did. He knew something that we needed to learn. Let's face it, you don't go on the road to Damascus and get, you know, get blinded by a light and you're the same person that you were five minutes ago. Nah, it doesn't work that way. Paul had a very, very strong message delivered to him by his Messiah. What changed him usually will change us also. How many of you have had that very important moment in your life when you met Messiah? 
Paul says, I'm not ashamed. Family, there are a lot of things I'm ashamed of. There are a lot of things I'm not proud of. There is a lot of things I'm flat embarrassed to even talk about. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power to change a mom, a dad. It's the power to change an ex-spouse, a child, a wayward, a drug addict, an adulterer. Power to change even the thoughts we used to believe. It's the power to change our very lives. It's the power that makes us new. Paul reminded us of this faithful power as he counseled Timothy. Referring again to the second letter of Timothy in chapter 1, I'm going to back up slightly and start in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or me as prisoner, but share in the suffering for the good news according to the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not because of our deeds, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us by Yeshua before time itself. So remember, brothers and sisters, this is not our testimony. This is his. Pretty short message, huh? I like it. Bet you like it, too. Now I'm going to close with this. You know, there's just some words and expressions, you know, that we hear from time to time, you know, through our lives as, as believers in, in Messiah and Yeshua. And, and we take them through our spiritual journey. We take these things that we've heard from people, we've heard, we've heard by reading and listening to God through Scripture. And those are just the things, I mean, they're, they're the verses that we have. They're, the, they're the, the sayings that we desire to keep in our hearts and hide them. You know, a lot of you know my, my uh, favorite verse in the whole Bible, the one I live by, is Acts 20:24. 20, but there's, there's so many more, there's so much more that people do for other people. And those things that they say to us really mean something when we really stop and consider it. And what I'm going to end with is something that I learned a long, long time ago. I've been a believer in Yeshua almost 25 years. And this was about the first year when I was just, you know, you're really, you're a zealot. I mean, you're just all about it. But you know what? There was, there was this, uh, there's several theories out there, but none of them really matter where this, where this passage came from. This is Chances are it's probably <clears throat> a pastor who had said this, but I own it now. I own it right here. And it's simply one of the best earthly descriptions of being unashamed I've ever come across, and I want to share this with you uh, to close. And it reads, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision's been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. 
My future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame vision, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, recognized, topsed, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few, but my guide's reliable. And my mission is clear. I can't be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch at the face of sacrifice. I will not hesitate in the presence of adversity. I will not negotiate at the table of my enemy, ponder in a pool of popularity, or meander in a maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, or burn up until I have preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up all for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus, a disciple of Yeshua. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops. And when he comes to get his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. Shabbat shalom. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for the, the presence of mind to come to you for all of our needs. Thank you, Lord, that you are there to meet them. We praise you for all good things that happen. We also praise you for the challenging things that happen. But also, Father, we are a very needy people and need your guidance and need your assistance. I praise you, Lord, for my congregation, my congregational family, the family that I consider so very dear to my heart. Bless them today, bless them always and through the week ahead, that they will not be ashamed of the testimony of you. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Thank you.